Hello, and welcome to Sights and Sirens Back to Basic Podcast. My name is Dr. Christopher Sights. I'm an emergency physician, and I'm here with my brother, Jason Sights, who is a firefighter, paramedic, and RN. Together, we run Sights and Sirens, an emergency preparedness training company. Sights and Sirens is a National American Heart Association training center and EMS training company that specializes in NREMT exam prep. Our Back to Basics podcast was created to make what are sometimes complex medical topics easy to understand and retain for students of emergency care. Please like and follow us on your favorite podcast streaming service, as well as on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you for joining us. I don't know. This just makes me feel uncomfortable. It's supposed to be three minutes of uninterrupted eye contact. We have to start over now. I feel like you're not taking it seriously. Do you want a deeper relationship or not? I do. I just feel this is a weird way. Just start the podcast. Okay. We'll do it later. All right, everybody. Welcome to Sights and Sirens Back to Basic Podcast, where we take complex uh, medical topics and we break them down and make them so simple that you have to do nothing but listen to our podcast to pass medical school. Nope. That is our 100% nope. Don't guarantee. Do that. That, what? There's some emails. <laughs> no. Oh, okay. All right. Never mind. Well, maybe that's not our guarantee, but uh, we'll try to simplify things for people. Um, welcome, everybody. Today's uh, sponsor is registryready.com. Registry Ready is a national registry uh, question bank uh, website that offers free, actually, like a couple thousand free practice questions to help you pass the national registry with your EMR, EMT, or AEMT paramedic coming soon. So check them out at registryready.com. Tell me about these questions. Are they vetted? They are vetted. They're written by um, test bank writers. Not to, you know what I mean? Like national registry yeah. writers, like they, they, guys, the guy, yeah, the guys who've written questions for the exam, uh, medical professionals, those who work in the field, uh, lots of great feedback. I've heard saying that these are very similar to the national registry. I think it's hard for question banks to, you know, actually do exact questions. That's kind of illegal, but, uh, again, very close and people have had a lot of success on their exam using their questions. So check that out. Registry How many users are currently involved, Chris? Okay. Uh, there are about 6,700 people wow. who are using registryready.com. That's a lot of people. It must be an excellent product. It is. I think you're, maybe you're getting at the fact that we own registryready.com. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Fun, right? All right. Yeah. No, that was good. That was good. No, yeah. So we actually do. We uh, we own registryready.com. But again, free question bank. Uh, lots of questions for you guys to check out. So do that. Registryready.com, powered by Sites and Sirens. Yeah. So why don't you introduce today's topic for us, Jason? What are we going to talk yeah, about today? Today, I wanted to talk about the inflammatory response as a part of uh, like our defense, right? We have the immune response, we have the inflammatory response, we have mechanical barriers and physical barriers. And I want to talk about the inflammatory response specifically, because I think it gets a little bit of a bad rap because we relate it to negative things way more often than we relate it to positive things. And I think if we can take a deeper look at how it works, we can also understand our treatment modalities for issues that involve the inflammatory response and then have a deeper understanding of the treatments that we do and the medications we do and sometimes how those can be double-edged swords. Sure. Okay. We'll get into it. I think we're going to cover it all today though and it's going to go without a hitch. Okay. All right. right. I mean, we can try. So I'll be honest with you. So when you said you wanted to talk about the inflammatory response, my initial reaction was why? Let's not do that because it's just, I feel like it can be very complicated. Um, and obviously our job is to simplify Chris, it. Chris, I'm here to tell you that it's not that complicated. And I'm <laughs> going to take it back to basics. That's the name of this podcast. That's why I created really, it. Wait, That's why I hold on. on today with your question. <laughs> wait, wait a second. Hold on. Hold on. No, no, no. No, but honestly, like I said, I think people can get, it should be very simple, right? It's, it's our body's defense mechanism. We're going to talk about that. But there's so many different things that are involved, right? There's so many different white blood cells and so many different things that are happening. How do we take this, Jason, and make it simple for people? Well, we're going to take it okay. back to basics today. You know, <laughs> and right. you know what? It's interesting that you say that because I think a lot of times 
especially pre-hospital providers, we avoid topics like this. We avoid hematology. We avoid immunology because we're like, that's sciencey crap that I don't need to deal with. I'm about boots on the ground, you know, mm-hmm. stop the bleed. And it's like, right. no, we are, we are called to be clinicians. We're called to be, you know, understand the advanced science behind this and the pathophysiology. And I think you'll find at least by the end of today's topic, why that edifies you when your boots on the ground and you're doing simple treatments, sometimes simple treatments, you know, it's not just, it's not just mash button a or push drug a, and that fixes everything. We have to understand what those treatments do both bad and good. And if we don't know what the body's doing, you often say that we're never going to be able to really beat the body out in terms of how good the body is at healing us, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So when we're messing with the body's mechanisms, we need to understand that there's risks involved and then there's also advantages to us. So I just think it, it clears things up. And this is why I like to kind of jump into this stuff is that the topics that typically people want to avoid, but I think we can make it simple and kind of fun and, and interesting. Absolutely. So. Well, and I think too, that is, I, and I think you probably agree with me on this, is that the difference between a just general EMS provider or emergency provider, you know, even myself as a physician between someone who's just, you know, the average one and the one who's really good at what they do is understanding of things like this. Right. And it may look like on the surface, we're doing the exact same thing, right? I push drug A when you push drug A, I push drug B when you push drug B. We know how to do that. But when one of us knows why the real reason why we're doing that, the underneath the pathophysiology, I think that's what sets apart a really good clinician. Well, and that's when an expert, you know, when, when you become right. an expert and then a wrench gets thrown into things and you hit the, you know, the, the low incident, high risk type situations where there, maybe there's a reaction happening, or maybe there's just something that's kind of a little bit lower statistics is happening. And you, you have that base knowledge, you're able to recognize those things faster and then adapt, adapt and overcome. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. And that's why it's important. So I wanted to start today by, and maybe you can kind of paint the picture for me. What I'm getting sure. at here is I think inflammation gets a bad rap. When we think of inflammation initially, what do you usually think of? I usually think that I need some Motrin and I need some ice and I need to get rid of that inflammation. Right. That's and, what we all think. And you usually like combine it with injury, right? Like, hey, I hurt myself. It's swollen. And now I want to ice it. I want to get rid of it. It's a symptom mm-hmm. of like a disease process or an injury process that we want to take care of. Right. Yeah. And that's not what inflammation is. Inflammation's here to help us. We're going to learn that through, you know, as we t- kind of look at the, the different ways that inflammation helps. But we do look at it as the bad guy a lot. Mm-hmm. And we try to treat it. Um, why? I mean, in, in terms of sure. like, why, why do, why do we want to treat inflammation? Well, and I think like, so kind of what you're getting at is that people, we, we think that we need to treat inflammation because inflammation is bad. The reason we treat inflammation is because it causes people discomfort, right? So if, right. Some, if someone comes to me and they said, Hey, I'm in a lot of pain or, you know, my, I twisted my knee and it's swollen and it's, it's hot and it's, it's hurting me. And I say, okay, well, here's some anti-inflammatories and here's some ice and that sort of thing. I'm treating inflammation because I'm treating that patient. I want to, I want that patient to find comfort. I want to obviously like alleviate pain, that sort of thing. But it makes it seem like, oh, well, I'm treating a problem the same way I treat like a pneumonia, right? Like here's antibiotics to treat a pneumonia. I need to get rid of pneumonia. It looks like that, right? It looks like I'm giving you therapies to get rid of your inflammation, which fix, yeah. I am. But again, like that makes inflammation look like it itself is the problem right. where I think, like I said, what you want to get into is that it actually is a extremely important mechanism our body uses to help us and right. heal us. In my mind, it's it's one of the three major defenses of our body, right? When we're when our body is not at homeostasis or it's in a disease or injury process, we have basically three things in, in my book that, and again, people, you know, 
there's nuances where people say that, you know, inflammation is really a part of the immune response or, you know, you know, your physical barriers are a part of immunity. You know, I, I like to just keep it simple, take it back to basics, divide it into three parts, right? Sure. We have physical barriers that protect us from disease and injury, right? Mm-hmm. You've got your skin, you've got your mucous membranes, you've got boogers, you've got all kinds of things that can protect you, right? Sealed Even weapons. Samurai swords. No, that's not what I'll get that. Okay, that's a fourth. Okay. All right, sorry. <laughs> so physical barriers, right? Then we have the inflammatory Which like response. the most important one being your skin, right? Like your right. skin is yeah. like the most important. Yeah, exactly. So, but then yeah. when, when those fail, now we're exposed to injury of tissue or an antigen or a foreign body that's in our body, right? And we'll talk a little bit about that. But that that's when usually our inflammatory response activates as, as sort of a frontline defense. Mm-hmm. And then we have a more more specific immune response, right? The the cell mediated response. This is like when we're fighting COVID-19 or we're, you know, we have, we create antibodies and we attack that specific disease or that specific injury and, and we're doing things to that specifically. So the immune response is well, a couple go, things. And it goes very, gen, like it goes very general to very specific, right? So right. the general, like just general barriers that block anything that shouldn't be there out. Right. And then the inflammatory response or that, you know, that that second line of defense, which is a general inflammatory response. Like it's just a general, which we'll talk Shotgun about what method, it is. Shotgun method, right? Yeah. No like what it is, we're going to do these things. Yeah. Let's get help. cells there to help fear. And then our body, you know, creates certain specific things and finds specific cells to fight specific diseases. But again, it goes from general to very specific. And that takes time, right? It takes time mm-hmm. to build antibodies. It takes time to ramp up the immune response to the point where we're winning the battle. Like we start losing it, right? Mm-hmm. There, there's an antigen. It's We've been exposed to it. We're fighting it. We're losing the battle. Eventually, we can make enough antibodies or unlock that key. Our body figures out a way to break down this pathogen and kill it. That takes physical time. So our stopgap or what saves us a lot of times in the meantime is your general inflammatory response. Do you want to talk about quickly define for people antigen, pathogen, allergen? I very much do. All right. So an (laughs) antigen is anything that is like a foreign in the body that's that's flagged as not us. Mm -hmm. Right. So our body's cells have markers on them, like little flags that tell us like, hey, I'm a part of Jason, right? I'm a part of Jason. I'm good to go. And an antigen is really anything that's not flagged as me. Now, this is where we can run and we can do a whole other podcast. I think it'd be great to do some immunological stuff and and talk about that more in depth. But this is where like if you give me your kidney, right, that's not flagged as me. It's flagged as Chris. So I thanks for the kidney. But now my body's recognizing that as foreign. And then a lot of times my body then activates things like the inflammatory and the immune response to fight that thinking it's a bad guy, right? Sure. So antigens are anything. They don't necessarily have to be a bad guy. They don't have to be something it that- It could just be like literally like- Anything that's not of, me. Like right? you get a splinter and yeah. that's inside your body. It's broken through your first layer and that's not- Right. Like as Jason. So, yeah, your kidney is. can be an antigen. A splinter right. can be an ant- antigen. A disease can be an antigen, right? Mm-hmm. We get more specific- with that antigen definition, we break it down into pathogens, allergens, things like that, right? Mm-hmm. So a pathogen is a is a disease, right? It's bacteria, a bacteria or a virus. Viruses, it's yeah. a it is a pathological antigen. It so will it cause is. disease if left right. Out. And it, it you know some of them are organisms, some of them aren't really right, but they're they're things that are trying to hurt us, mm-hmm. right? And then an allergen would basically be an antigen that isn't a pathogen. It's not flagged as us, so it's an antigen. And it's not dangerous, but our body treats it as a major pathogen, basically. It attacks it. 
it, it, so and that's something that we're, we have hypersensitivity to, mm-hmm. which we can talk a little bit when we talk about when inflammation can get away from us uh, later in the podcast. So when we say antigen, we're just talking about a foreign body. When we say pathogen, we're talking about a specific virus or bacteria, you know, a, a pathological antigen. Mm-hmm. And then when we talk about allergen, we're talking about it could so, be pollen. It could be grass. It could be, you know, something that's, that isn't going to hurt us, but our body's response to inappropriately it is essentially. inappropriate. Yeah. Okay. And that that then can hurt us. And that's when our body is acting against us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think that we're going to go with this. We're going to get a little bit deeper and talk about, okay, so sometimes our body's defenses can get us into trouble and then we have to act on those defenses. But then we're acting on our defenses and that can hurt us, right? Sure. So we'll get into it. So let's say an antigen, so some some kind of non, non-Jason, non non-Chris, you know, entity has gotten into our body for whatever reason, whether we got a cut, whether we inhaled some droplets, whether we, you know, anything like that. We got a blood transfusion that had weird stuff. Some type of antigen gets into our body. We'd say that they're, they've, it's now broken through that first layer of defense, right? It's mm-hmm. gotten past the mucous membranes and the skin and all that kind of stuff. So what happens we were saying the inf- first thing that happens is our body reacts just as general inflammation. It's the general approach, right? Yes. We're not getting specific yet to that, like attacking that individual thing and making antibodies and using our helper T cells and B cells yeah. and all that and stuff. And this that- is part of our immune system. So right. that's why I mean? people but this say, is why yeah. I like to separate this is this is the inflammatory response right. versus the immune response. Right. So right? this always happens first. So what happens? So tell us what the, yeah, what the and, couple and why happen. it happens. And yeah, I think yeah. that's what we just kind of don't know. Like we know fluid happens, right? When I swell, I swell. Like it, it, it hurts and it, there's fluid and we know that that's involved. But I don't think we really get why that's happening. Sure, it, yeah. It's designed to help us. So four major things happen. The first is that the, the vessels in that area of the local injury or the bacteria. And, and that's another thing, too, is I think we chalk swelling up a lot of times to injury. And we don't really think about it in terms of like an antigen or a bacteria or something like that that mm-hmm. could be, you know, this could be an infection that yeah. this is our first line of defense and infection too, right? But the first thing that happens is our vessels are going to dilate. So the vessels are going to get bigger. And the purpose of that is what? So the purpose, so the vessels dilate for a couple of reasons. So the vessels dilate to slow down the blood, right? So if you'd have like water going through a hose and you put your finger over it, right? It starts coming out like faster and stronger. So when you make that area smaller, it comes out. So if we dilate that out, it starts to slow. Yeah, we decrease the pressure exactly. in that area, right? In the area. In that little area. And again, and we're talking about local right now. We're talking about local inflammatory responses. We'll, we'll get into what happens if this happens systemically. But this is in the local level. So those vessels dilate to slow down the blood flow. Um, and that adds fluid to that area because whenever we open up the the vessels, we have relatively more fluid, and that's a partial region for the swelling. Right. Yeah. Right. The second thing that happens then, and so the reason why do we want to slow things down? Well, this gives us time, and it can get it gives us time to get white blood cells or lymphocytes into that area. And then so our infection fighters, right, our army can get to that area. And these are more of our general fighters. These aren't the guys who are making specific antibodies to fight a specific bacteria like in the immune response. This is like like the phagocytes or phagocytes. They they just come in and they eat stuff, right? They just eat bad stuff. Well, that's the thing, too. That's what people have to realize that there are there's like, you know, however many different types of white blood cells. Some of them are involved in that inflammatory response. They're more general, like you said, more general fighters of antigens or things that aren't supposed to be there. And then there are more specific white blood cells that are that learn how to target specific things, right? So in this inflammatory response, again, we get these white like blood cells are still involved. It's just not; it's still considered in the inflammatory versus the immune response, right? And we, and we use the, we use the term white blood cells, and 
it's kind of a general term because there's different types of white blood cells. I think this is why people do get confused with like, are we talking about infection? Are we talking about inflammation? Like, well, they're all kind of a part of this cascade, right? right? So in the beginning here, we dilate those vessels out. It slows things down. That allows those, like I said, those white blood cells, those general white blood cells to get to the area and then they have time to get into the tissue. And they can kind of get together, right? Like it's given times for, it's like in a, in a fight. You don't want to start a fight without a bunch of your buddies, right? So right. it gives you time in this fight to gather up your buddies before you go in the bar and you be the crap yeah. out of somebody, right? I saw this text where this person was like sent to this sent this guy this text to her his girlfriend and said send nudes or sorry sorry she said send dudes and she's like do you mean nudes he's like no i need dudes i'm in a fight i need more people it's like that kind of thing right the white blood cells well, are waiting yeah. for yeah we'll more get some backup get- and then we can all kind of go in together so right, that's right. why we're slowing things down to clump these together and, and and get the the infection or injury you know either the healers or the fighters mm-hmm. in, in in the right spot the second thing goes along with this really the second and third um is that our vessels become leaky. All right. We hear this a lot and this is a textbook thing a lot. I think people know that. Oh yeah, the capillaries become leaky. Like we don't really know why or, or how though. So let's dig a little bit deeper and just go back to the basics with it is the reason the vessels get leaky. What we mean by that is that there's opening in vessels that allow fluid to shift into the surrounding tissue, right? So we have our, our vessels is our super highway that's connected to the whole system, right? We got to get the white blood cells and the fluid out of there to push the white blood cells into the tissue where there's the issue, right? Mm Mm-hmm. I didn't mean for that to rhyme, but it sounded pretty sexy. So <laughs> the tissue where the issue is. So then what happens is these vessels become more leaky. And this is usually activated by like chemical uh, transmitters like histamine and things like that that cause these vessels to become leaky. And then that allows the white blood cells to get into the area to be able to go fight, the, to get into the bar and start the fight. Right. And leaking. And that's what we're talking about. So when we're talking about leaking, like what are we leaking? We're leaking fluid, so plasma from the blood, and we're leaking some of those white blood cells into the tissue then. And that's part of the dilation thing too. So when the vessel dilates, all those cells that make up the wall of that vessel get kind of pulled apart a little bit as it gets bigger. And that allows spaces in between them for those white blood cells to kind of like, you know, slide in and slide through. And that really relates to the third thing that happens is that endothelial cells are going to help on on the lining of that vessel are going to help basically white blood cells get into that tissue. We, We act like it's a step one, step two, step three, step four. It's all happening at the same time. And it's all relatively doing the same thing. We're trying to get white blood cells in there to help. Right. Right. And the thing, and, and like I said, this may be a little, maybe a little too in depth, but just as a, a general thing. So what, what's causing this all to happen is these like, the, like you were saying, like histamine, that kind of, you don't necessarily, I think for this, the sake of this, like, you know, podcast, you don't have to remember the individual different chemical receptors and things, but there are certain chemicals and certain, um, things that our cells release in response to foreign antigens that then cause these things to happen. Right. So it's like when we talk about a cascade of events, like you said, it it happens all very quickly and kind of all at the same time, but it's this thing triggers this thing triggers this thing and then right. this kind of this whole thing happens. So And we've got like basically, you know, guards that sit around in our cells and their job is just to recognize, hey, that's not of me. I'm releasing histamine, right? <laughs> right. So like that, that's what they do. And then that histamine and along with other chemical yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, start doing this. Yeah. So we got dilation of vessels. We've got leakiness of those vessels. We've got these endothelial cells helping kind of making those openings and pull into that tissue. And then the last thing that can happen is microclotting. And microclotting is cool. This is basically 
well, you know, same same thing as any type of clot platelet plugs here and there around the area in the capillaries in that tissue to prevent the infection, basically keeping the battle there in the bar, right? We don't want the infection to get out. And if that infection or that pathogen, if, oh, especially not if it's a pathogen. Yeah, not even necessarily infection, right. like any, the foreign material. Like right. Use it as if that general. pathogen or antigen gets into our, into our highway, into that bloodstream, well, now it can travel other places. And we want to try to keep the battle here. Right. Mm -hmm. So again, back to basis, keeping it simple. Inflammation has four things, four major things that happen. Dilation of vessels to slow things down and allow white blood cells to clump there. Leaky vessels to get those white blood cells into the bar to have the fight. Right. Endothelial cells helping people pull into the bar, basically bouncers pulling them in. Right. And then the fourth thing, microclotting, closing off the exits so that we can keep the fight in the bar. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, like and that, that's, that's what the infl- inflammatory response does. That's why it's helpful. Right. It's all for our protection. And again, we kind of treat it as, oh, it's a symptom that we need to treat. We need to lower this inflammation because it's making me sore, right? Mm -hmm. So just respect your body a little bit in the sense that, hey, it's doing things to really help you out, right? Right. Well, and then then I think that kind of relates to the symptoms we get. So let's talk a little bit because, so this inflammatory response causes some things to happen, right? So when we dilate vessels and we have more fluid, it means that we have more blood flow to that area, right? So the area will get warm a lot of times, right? You think about like when you like, you know, twist your knee, and all of a sudden it's like it swells, right? Because we, it swells because we got more fluid. It's also warm because you got more blood flow because you've slowed these things down and dilated it. So you get warmth, you get swelling, um, and then you get pain a lot of times as well. And uh, the pain, I think, you know, without getting too in depth, the, the pain is from, you know, obviously stretching of that tissue from swelling. All that chemicals that are being like released in that area can trigger the pain receptors and things like that too. So you get that kind of pain, swelling, and warmth. And that can happen if it's, about if it's a you know foreign body that's a bacteria that's going to cause infection we see that infections right warmth obviously with infection we get redness as well but like warmth swelling pain and if we just have an injury right yeah. you know then again that inflammatory response is our general approach our body's general approach to you know taking care of that and healing yeah. our body in some way whether it's an injury whether it's an infection whether it's something like that right and there are cells the same thing we we have to dilate those vessels and create the inflammatory response to get the same not the same but not just infection fighters but also healers and repairers to get to that area too and that's why inflammation is going to happen with injury where there's no antigen exposed mm-hmm. and also infection mm-hmm. or infection risk yeah so pathogens so when then is inflammation a bad thing? Like when, when does it actually turn into a bad thing is what I want to talk about next, because there are times that now that we understand that process and why we're doing it, I think we we do need to recognize as medics and EMTs and, and pre-hospital providers and then ER docs and ER nurses, especially in emergency medicine. You know, it, it extends way beyond that, though, because you can talk about burn care and mm-hmm. all sorts of yeah, things. Yeah. But when inflammation is is dangerous to our, our entire body's function. I mean, you could actually argue that like you never see a patient unless they're faking it, you know, that doesn't have inflammation, right? Like, like right. if inflammation yeah. is, is our body's initial response to any type of anything, like that's when we get called as providers, right? right. So really any, everybody has this kind of thing going on a little bit. So, so the, and the danger though, is that We talked about this happening at a local level, right? So we have dilation of vessels and we've got fluid moving. What the danger is, is if this happens in enough places at once, that's where we get into trouble, Mm -hmm. right? So when we talk about an entire system having a response, we refer to that as a systemic response, right? So when we talk about systemic inflammation, 
Now we're talking about our entire system or our entire body suffering from inflammation. Now, there's a, there's a number of things that can cause systemic inflammation. We'll give you a few examples today just so you can kind of you can have that light bulb go on a little bit where we need to respond to and kind of fight against the inflammatory response because it's now the, the, the mechanisms that are going to help us out. Since it's happening on such a large scale, it's actually going to hurt us in the long run, and we'll explain why. So, Well, and I think it goes back to what our role is as emergency providers, right? So what is our our role is to either, and like I said, you kind of said it earlier, and I'll, and I'll say it again, that our bodies are way better at healing themselves and taking care of themselves than we are as, you know, you know emergency providers in in doing it for it. Right. Like like we even even with fluid resuscitation, I tell my patients this all the time, like people are like, man, like I'm really dehydrated. You drinking water is going to hydrate you way faster and in a much more efficient way than me giving you IV fluids. Yeah. And me, you know, me, me, you know, me giving you blood pressure medicine is is a lot less effective in controlling your blood pressure than your own diet and exercising. Your, your body always does a better job well, for the most part. Right. Most of the meds that we use. Right. Are pretty much already chemicals that the body's made for right. us, right? So we're not, yeah. like, epinephrine isn't like, we didn't invent it, right? right. It's, it's adrenaline. We took it out of our own bodies, right? right. right. We, you know, it's synthetic and we processed it, but exactly. you know, we're copying the body constantly because the body is the best at taking care of itself. Right. right. So our role as emergency providers becomes either assisting the body. And I think that if we shift the way we look at medicine a little bit in this way, it can kind of help us. Like our, our role is to either help the body along its own process, Right. Or to stop the body when it gets out of balance and try to help keep it in balance. Right. And when we talk about systemic reactions, so in systemic inflammation, that's where our body's defense mechanisms have essentially gotten out of hand. Right. And if they get too far out of hand, they get past the point of no return. And, you know, we can't we can't get them back. So our job becomes to try to keep our body within its parameters of homeostasis and to help it along its own processes. And I think if we can see ourselves as that with with that kind of role, then um, it starts to make more sense to us why we'd give certain medications during certain times or why we'd give a medication in this instance that we wouldn't in this sense. And it's all about that balance. It's all about how do we keep the body within that level of balance and homeostasis and help the body along with its own processes. Yeah. And when I, so when I teach this, when I when I teach about systemic inflammation or systemic responses in general, I, I think the best example, because we're just so familiar with it, a lot of times is anaphylaxis. Sure. So like anaphylaxis is a good example of how systemic inflammation Inflammation, or at least a, a facet of it, can cause a big issue, right? So, anaphylaxis, first and foremost, let's just realize that it's a hypersensitivity reaction. So, the antigen that we're dealing with isn't really actually harmful to our body, right? It's an allergen now, and it's our body's response to it. It's treating it like, oh my gosh, not only did you, like, is there pollen in you? It's everywhere. We have to fight it everywhere now, it's an, right? Again, it's, it's, it's almost like a, it's hypersensitivity. So, like, our body is sensitive to certain things. It should be, right? Like, it's why we in, you know, in, in someone who's not hypersensitive to like peanut butter, for instance, right? Like my son, William, he's got a peanut allergy. So when I eat peanut butter, nothing really happens, right? When he eats peanut butter, his body sees it as like as tags it as like a threat where again, so, so it becomes an allergen. So it's, it's a, it's something that normally, like you said, wouldn't cause harm to the body, but the body seizes it as causing harm and reacts in that way. Yeah. 
So is it an antigen? Yes, it's an antigen in your body, my body, and Will's body, right? In Will's body, though, it's also an allergen. Right. A special type of antigen called an allergen. Exactly. It causes this hypersensitivity. So what happens is the body fights it like it would fight any foreign body, and it, it activates the inflammatory response. And the, the danger in anaphylaxis, the, the major danger is that rhyme too. Yeah, man, I'm you're just, just really good today. Start the, the major break out danger. into a rap about inflammatory response. Here we go, drop a beat. <laughs> <laughs> so the major danger is that the vessels dilate, and that dilation of vessels, if that happens everywhere, well, what's that's going to slow down flow everywhere, right? You said yourself, we dilate those those vessels to get fluid to that area. Well, if the fluid's all rushing into the tissues in all these individual parts. It's no longer in my vessels, right? Mm -hmm. So my blood pressure now has dropped and I can't circulate blood well, which means I can't perfuse tissue because there's not oxygen in the right places, right? It's everywhere. Which what you're describing then is shock, right? Your body right. Goes into, is going yes. into shock. It's a systemic issue, right? So now now we have systemic hypo relative hypovolemia, right? Like I like to refer to like hypotension. It's a relative hypovolemia, right? We have the same amount of fluid, but it's in the wrong spot, right? Mm -hmm. It's all dumped into the tissues to try to fight these would-be invaders. Right. And now it's not in our it's well, not in our system. It's not on the highway and it's not keeping the pressure up. It's so distributed everywhere. So we call it distributive shock. Exactly. And Look we'll at talk this. about all, that when we get into shock. It's all yeah. coming together. So and that's the other thing too is that we Again, our our role then as ER and emergency providers, EMS, is to get the body back into that balanced state, right? Try to get like it, this is a hypersensitivity, an overreaction, if you will, of the body to something that's foreign that shouldn't be bothering it as bad as it is. So our job is to try to get that back into play. So again, this is where we start to have to look at, you know, what therapies can we use to try to get that that patient back into balance. And it's going to be a lot of different things and, and kind of playing with things sometimes, right? Well, playing it's, with it's fluids, the lesser of two with... evils a lot of times, mm -hmm. right? Because what's the big treatment for anaphylaxis? What's going to really fix it is epinephrine. Epinephrine is our go-to drug, but what does epinephrine do? So this shows us an example of when we we take what we think is just a, the all-out solution to it, but really it's a double-edged sword. I give them epinephrine. That's going to constrict those vessels. That's great right now because now the fluid is, you know, the pressure's back up, the fluid's back in the vessels, we're good to go. We're perfusing I again. give them antihistamines to try to calm down that inflammatory response. That's great. But what do some of those medications do? What else does epinephrine does? Well, it increases my heart rate, right? Increases my breathing rate. It's a beta agonist. So it's also going to tax my heart unnecessarily, right? And so you see a lot of times with like registry prep and stuff, people are like, well, do I want to give epinephrine and anaphylaxis because that's dangerous because they could get a high heart rate and then have a heart attack or something like that. Well, that's true, but it's life over limb here, right? Where anaphylaxis is what has to get treated first. So epinephrine is the right way to go, but it's a double-edged sword. Mm -hmm. This isn't like stopping a bleed or giving an antibiotic. Like it's not a very simple treatment where it's like, this is the solution and it only helps. We're hindering body functions or activating other body functions that can work against it. And same with fluids, right? So you've got someone who has this distributive shock, right? They've distributed their fluid everywhere. Their blood pressure is low. So in the short term, you want to give them a little bit of fluid to bring that blood pressure up so they can perfuse their heart and their brain. But you're also just giving them more fluid, which is going to cause more. So it's, it's again, right. it's it's trying to get the body back to balance. How do we how do we balance these things? Which is why it's not always cut and dry. Like people say, well, like, you know, I might give a liter of fluid in the emergency department and then I might give a second liter 
And then I start to listen to their lungs and I, I hear them retaining fluid in their lungs. So then I back off the fluid. It's like, I'm not doing anything wrong, but I'm, I'm almost playing this game with the body of like, how do we keep you in balance long enough that we can get everything under control back to where it was? And there right there is the perfect example of what makes you an expert in it versus just a basic provider, right? So I don't want our, our listeners to think that don't get fluid now if someone's in distributed shock, right? No, that's still the solution. It absolutely is. But an expert can say, okay, I'm giving fluid for this. The answer you know, to, to A is B. But I'm also watching now for risks of fluid overload too right, because right. I know what the mechanisms that are working in my body and I know the mechanisms of what I'm giving the body. I know what that's doing and then how that can be too much or set them off balance on the other side, mm-hmm. right? An expert gives epinephrine and anaphylaxis every time because it's the solution to it but understands I might need to watch for cardiac arrhythmias yeah. or you know too fast of a heart rate or other you know beta agonist type issues because I just amped this patient up. We start to see medicine from a different perspective mm-hmm. now and, and start to analyze it as an expert rather than just uh hey the solution yeah my protocol says to give fluids yeah so I give i'm fluids. just gonna I i'm don't. just gonna you know yeah. that, that's the uh, it's a, not a wrong monkey, a monkey right. could do our job if that's how we want to do our job right and sometimes that's the solution is to do very simple fixes you know we build algorithms and stuff like that in acls to give simple fixes mm-hmm. but we do need to come back now as providers analyze this information, understand it better so that we can become experts. So then when you've got a patient who's got third degree burns all over his body and the solution was to give him fluid, now he starts to suffer from fluid overload. You know what to do then too, right? Mm-hmm. Or you can at least uh, pass that information on to the ER doc or or the next level of, of provider and say, hey, I'm recognizing this issue, right? right? right. I think that's what medicine is all about. That That's what turns medicine from an you know, science to an art, right? It's, it's understanding that. Right. So, And that's actually like, that brings us to that side project that you and I started training monkeys. No. <laughs> you don't remember? I, I told you I didn't want to invest in that. Wait. It's just too much. What? $17,000. <laughs> um, so anyway, the anaphylaxis is a good example of that, right? So two other things that are, are good examples of we just, how we can have systemic inflammation. Yeah, you just mentioned burns, right? Yeah, so let's so talk burns, about burns. Burns causes like an easy distributive shock, right? Local injury. So this is an example of injury now, not mm-hmm. not necessarily disease processes. Pathogen, but no, not pathogens. Not pathogens, right, not injury, antigens, but which, injury in general that causes fluid everywhere, right? If you burn enough of your body, all of those little areas, the, the vessels dilate. We start to try to get cells there to heal that area and repair, well, now relatively, I'm systemically hypovolemic, right? Mm-hmm. Or I, I'm having a problem with distributive shock. Mm-hmm. So that's another example. And then another would just be sepsis, right? When an infection, when that microclotting, when we tried to keep things in the bar and that didn't work or we didn't do fast enough and that infection gets into my circulatory system, that infection goes everywhere, right? Now I have an inflammatory response that's happening in multiple areas or all of the areas could, could be either, right? And that's where we run into a systemic infection, which we refer to as sepsis, right? Well, and it's also, we've also kind of defined SIRS too, right? So SIRS, I don't know if you guys are familiar with, but like SIRS, SIRS criteria is systemic inflammatory response syndrome, right? So SIRS criteria, things like high heart rate, um, high respiratory rate, signs and symptoms that you have a systemic inflammatory response. If then we can say, hey, you know what? It's because of X, Y, or Z pathogen, or like it's because of your pneumonia or your UTI. Now we have a source of infection. Now we call it sepsis, right? Right. So again, we just kind of, that systemic inflammatory response syndrome or SIRS is like us trying to figure out, you know, 
recognize that there's an, a systemic inflammatory response happening so that we can address it the way you and I just discussed. And then if we realize or find a source of that as an infectious source, now we're calling it sepsis. Right. It's kind of how we're defining those terms a little bit. And this is, I think it's kind of fun because it, it all starts to come together now, right. right? So now it's not just like, you understand why as an emergency provider, I would deal with a lot of fluid and stuff because I'm trying to handle hypovolemic issues or, or relative hypotensive issues, right? Because of this, this inflammatory response. But then you are going to have to deal with the consequences of that. I give them a bunch of fluid. Now they're fluid overloaded. You're going to have to deal more long-term with balancing that fluid out, right? So I just think it takes it to the next level and it starts helping us become experts when we understand not, not the pathophysiology of a disease, but the understand how our defense mechanisms in our body works and then how that can act against us. What we, I'd like to go into further in another podcast sometime is now start talking about the immune response, the other side of this, right? Mm-hmm. We know physical barriers. We know the inflammatory response. Now let's talk a little bit about the immune response. Not now. Well, next episode or next time. <laughs> but right. we'll talk about the immune response and how that can get carried away, right? When my body gets flat. I'm like, nope, everybody grab a coffee. We're going to jump into the <laughs> – this is going to be a three-hour podcast. Let's, let's go. So now my body is – you know, you can have autoimmune diseases where my body's fighting itself. What's the solution to that? I'll give a medication that suppresses the immune system. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not just the end all be all fix. I just suppress your immune system. Now, what are you at risk for? Well, getting in normal infections, right? right yeah. So it just helps us to understand medicine from this balance perspective, this homeostasis perspective, where sometimes our treatments do cause a little bit of harm and we have to watch how we, we balance those out. Mm-hmm. But I know we're kind of running out of time here, so I want to make sure that we close it up and hopefully that uh, you guys gained something from this and, and learned a little bit yeah. about the inflammatory response and how it has a little bit of a bad rap. But you got to understand what it's doing for us. Right, exactly. And again, like taking it back to basics is understanding those four things that happen in inflammation, why they're important, right? Why you need to have them occur. Um, And then again, to then approach your patients and approach diseases and pathology and body's responses, maybe from a different angle, right? Again, the goal here today is to try to kind of have you, one, understand the inflammatory response well in a simplified fashion. I think hopefully we've done that. But then also to realize that, you know, Maybe if we step back and look at ourselves as more of these, uh, you know, helpers of the body itself, like can we can we help the body along its own processes? Can we help keep it in balance? All of a sudden, our therapies start to make more sense. And all of a sudden, we get to start that process of becoming not just a cookie cutter, follow the protocol, follow the algorithm, but really understand why we're doing those things so that when those things aren't working, we also know what to do next and that sort of thing. Right. You know? So, I mean, and we, we could get into it even deeper with like our advanced providers. You start talking about like push dose pressors. And now, now you see why we balance fluids with maybe some pre- trying to uh, kind of augment all these things together. Right. So. Right. And that's what medicine's all about. Right. And that's what education is all about to edify you and to get you to understand this stuff so that you can be a better provider out in the field. Awesome. Cool. So, all right. Go over our sponsor one more time. Yeah. So registryready.com powered by sites and so registryready.com, again, question banks, uh, lots of different questions for uh, Prep and Free National Registry. Check that out, registryready.com. And again, if you guys need any uh, further prep for your National Registry exam, uh, we would like to pitch our program to you. Uh, you get to meet with Jason and I every week or two, and we give some live lectures. Uh, you get access to about 15 hours of videos and obviously this, these practice questions and a workbook. And uh, we'd love to help you on your journey of passing that exam if you need that help. Um, thank you guys for listening and we will see you next time. 
Stay sweet. Chris, drop a beat. Hey guys, hope you enjoyed the episode. If you're an EMT or medic student or an advanced EMT student or an instructor of those students, we have a program just for you. With Sights and Sirens NREMT prep program, you get video lectures over 15 hours of really vetted, great content to help you through your program and help you prepare for the test. Check it out at www.sightsandsirens.com. 